Think about the last time you went to live theater. Was there a performer who really commanded the stage? Was it their voice, their emotion, or something else that caught your attention? That something else can be used in the workplace. So there are all these cues that you can pick up on that have nothing to do with speaking that I think transfer from dance and, in, and into business. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. Often the performer who catches your attention isn't even saying anything. Silent leadership was the topic of a recent Vanguard dialogue with Michael Apuzzo. Michael has been principal dancer at the Paul Taylor Theater Company, and he's about to hang up his dance shoes and move into development for the company. He spoke with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta about the lessons he learned over the years on stage and how they translate into the C-suite. This uh, new series that we're launching, it's dedicated to what we call different kinds of leadership. That means leadership that's different from what we are usually seeing in a company or a big organization environment. However, it's also leadership that can teach all of us a lot about how to lead uh, even more and better. Uh, you know, for example, we've often heard about how we can learn from a conductor leading an orchestra. Today, we're gonna look at a special kind of that leadership, which is silent leadership. Silent leadership because there's really no talking in, in ballet performances. With us is Michael Apuzo. Michael is a principal dancer with the Paul Taylor Dance Company in New York. He's one of the best known contemporary dancers uh, in the world, in fact. Less known is that Michael started out as a student at Yale uh, majoring in math. And uh, also Michael is gonna hang up his ballet gear soon to run development work for Paul Taylor. So Michael, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ken. It's... So let's start with not so much your dance, but your background initially. Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Connecticut. Uh... You can take Metro North, you'll get there in two hours. Uh, so essentially, uh, I grew up near New York City. I grew up where I could come to New York City and often did a lot to see the arts and see shows and see the energy of the city, which is how I really fell in love with it. And so with all that in mind, how did you end up doing math at Yale as a major? Ha, who knows? <laughs> now, um, I don't know. I, math was always my favorite subject. Uh, I was relatively good at it. I ended up tutoring. Um, I was in Math Counts, which is a social math club for high school students, and then a Math League. Uh, and then I was an SAT math prep tutor. So it just was always a part of my life. Um, and I think that there's a, definitely a correlation between mathematics and economics and dancing, especially comes with the rhythm, rhythm of music and, and counting music. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, that was always just one half of the brain. The other half of the brain still had to express itself in some way. And um, what did you think you might become if you weren't gonna be a dancer? Was it to be a mathematician or did you have some totally different uh, ambition when you were younger? Um, you know, at my uh, high school reunion, I, I looked at that, the answer to that question. And it, I said, I was going to be a mechanical engineer. So <laughs> didn't quite do that, but there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened in the middle. Um, speaking of that, did you go right into dance or did you end up uh, doing some other things before you finally found your, your form? I actually was a math teacher. Uh, after college, I, I moved to New York and taught at a magnet school in the South Bronx. Um, arguably the most challenging job I've ever had, um, <laughs> but very glad I did it. Still certified to teach. Um, there's always a need for teachers. And um, I figured if I could teach algebra two to 
students in a challenging environment, I could probably do anything I set my mind to. A lot of people uh, joining us for this uh, discussion are asking themselves all the time what they should hire for. What are the qualities that they should look for in people? Uh, because that really, you know, it is all about people and dance is the same. When you're looking for a talent uh, or evaluating talent, what do you look for? What are the qualities that you look for in someone who you hope will become a great dancer? Well, I think that there's a couple nonverbal communication skills um, that come into play for all industries and all hires. And actually our audition process, which Paul Taylor started, commences with walking. Each dancer walks across the room. And he always said, you can tell a lot by the way a person walks. So that is definitely true. You want to see uh, shoulders over hips, but more importantly, energy out of the chest. There's like a confidence and a, and a presence for when you're walking. Um, so the way you walk into any room, I think, I think sets the tone. Um, and then of course, there's other things. There's um, gestures and, and posture and eye contact. And you know these are all qualities that make our interaction and our human experience, I think, more viable. Um, so the more nonverbal communication there is, I think you build a sense of, of trust and family. And that's what we have in the Paul Taylor Company. We did a session a few months ago now, maybe a month and a half ago on what's called executive presence. And uh, the whole concept there is, you know, what is it beyond knowledge and experience and uh, insight that really top leaders bring to their role? And pretty much it's exactly what you're describing. Uh, it's, you know, the uh, nonverbal cues that you're not trying to control a room, but you're very much in charge of what you have to say. Uh, the feeling that, you know, you can walk in front of a board and, and feel you know, the right balance of um, sentiments without getting intimidated. Uh, it's all that kind of stuff, which um, to some degree uh, people think of is uh, really born. Uh, but as we mm -hmm. learned in this session, it's really can be learned as well and developed. It's like you said, that muscle memory of, you know, how to stand properly, right. how to be attentive, how to, uh, you know, uh, not be, to not be cocky, but not be intimidated in front of a large group, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. it's a, it really resonates a great deal, at least for me. I think perhaps in all businesses, you, you learn those cues. Um, it often starts with eye contact when you are meeting with someone. And then I think um, gesture is really big in Paul Taylor's company. And I think that applies to business as well. Now, perhaps we don't handshake as much, but there can be an elbow bump. Mm -hmm. um, or, but there has to be some kind of contact. Um, there's, there is an energy to uh, physical contact. Um, and, and then I think uh, posture, you know, dancers are typically known for their posture. Uh, and I was thinking about this, you know, in business, you know, when you, we are at meetings and now that I'm doing some administration stuff, I'm catching myself, you know, are we, if you're slouching, generally it looks like you're bored. Uh, and, it, you know, if, um, you know, you're kind of shifting a lot or unable to stay still, which is something that I struggle with. It means perhaps that you're not present. So there are all these cues that you can pick up on that have nothing to do with speaking that I think transfer from dance and, in, and into business. And um, for people in, uh, in the business world, it's not always easy to figure out how they should do something better. It's easy to see what went wrong. Uh, how do you figure out how to do something better? Is it kind of in, inward looking or do you ask other people's advice? Do you say, how did that look to you? What could I have done differently? Or is it more something where you need to look at that tape and figure it out for yourself? I, I'm all about owning it. You know, you have to own your work and that includes mistakes. And I, I would say, you know, 95% of the time, 
we all come off of a show on a high, like the endorphins hit you and it's just the joy. But what, if something happens, you, you have to own it in the dressing room. And then you, um, I think it's like a, a, a calm moment where you, you know, look at your partner or the group and apologize. But, but once that happens, you can't get stuck in that moment. You have to move on. I think uh, often people, especially artists, dwell on what didn't go right. And yet so much has gone right for you to be at that present moment. Um, we just came off tour, for example. We had wonderful shows in Pittsburgh. Uh, audiences that came out that haven't seen us in years were so happy we were there. I went out into the lobby to meet some of them. Some people were crying. You know, they were so happy to see us. And one of my colleagues who was dancing with me thought it wasn't his best show. And I thought to myself, you know, you might think that, but you're not recognizing the impact that you have had on so many people. So I think that the, the issues that you might have with your performance or with another dancer, you have to, you know, resolve immediately and then look at the larger picture. And, and that helps you move on in general. I was writing actually about this, this concept of mindfulness, which is, you know, the ability to be present, to be in the, in the now without judgment. So whatever happens on stage is, is your best product. And it, it's okay. It, it really is okay if something happens or it's not perfect because you're mindful and you're in, in and you're present. Um, I can't imagine a time when I would be dancing or performing where I would, you know, like think about my laundry or something, you know, like you're completely focused on what it is that you're doing. Um, and, and I think that speaks to the integrity of the work. We're going to wrap up in a minute, but um, what drove you to uh, decide to stop dancing now? You know, um, it's part of the circle of life. You know, I, uh, dancing has flown by. I remember the day I auditioned and I started and I was the newest person in the company. And, you know, now I'm the most senior and the oldest person in the company. It, it's, it's, part of the cycle of, of what happens when you're here. Um, it's been super fun. It's been a great ride. Um, but I think the pandemic forced all of us to pause and evaluate, you know, life and what we're doing. Um, it was very scary, to be honest, in March of 2020. I, I, can name seven people that I know and lost. Um, and they were all patrons of Paul Taylor. So, you know, when when life is precious, you know, you, you think about, well, what, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and I know that that transition out of dance has to happen at some point. However, luckily, you know, I, I've come to know so many people. I, I value bringing audience members, all of whom are my friends to shows. Um, and I'm in touch with them. and. You know, that those uh, relationships and I think those people's skills transfer over to development and it's just staying in touch with the people I love and and keeping them involved in, in the arts and seeing a show. As I mentioned, there's, there's four opportunities in 2022 to see the Paul Taylor Foundation perform. I mean, how lucky is that if you're nearby New York City? Um, and it's lucky on our behalf too, because we are excited to present, present ourselves and, and I'm excited to uh, further the foundation in, in another way to expose, expose different audiences to the work. 
So we were talking a lot in these groups about what we might learn uh, from what you were talking about in business roles. What do you think you're going to learn from as a dancer that you can apply as a uh, as on on the on the company side of the business? Well, yeah, I, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about was um, EQ, like emotional intelligence. You know, there's always the focus on on IQ, and but um, but uh, when you're when you're self-aware and you have um, self-management, I think that's what you bring to to the business side. So you know, if you're you're self-aware, you're aware of like the your um, your strengths and your weaknesses and and your job role and your performance, and if you self-managing I think it's like controlling the emotions and and that's definitely something I've learned as a dancer you know as I said sometimes you when you're present you have to just let go of anything that may have happened and move on um and I think that's true of 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 working here in the office you know we're we're not going to fill every seat and that's okay but there is always tomorrow there's always something to work on just like with dancing um So the wheel keeps turning, no matter what. That was Michael Apuzzo from the Paul Taylor Dance Company speaking with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. Podcasts are just one of the benefits of joining the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.